So here's the plan for tonight. I don't think this is going to be super long, but uh, Jonathan and I have prepared some, uh, some stuff to share just about vision. So you heard, uh, if you've been to the members meeting or the Sunday morning after the members meeting or the question and answer time after the Sunday morning after the members meeting, you've heard the general overall vision of the multiplication of the barn into two places. And what we're going to do over the next two weeks uh, is share kind of some individualization that we sense that God's doing in the two visions. So we'll be sharing tonight. Bruce and Lynn are sharing next Sunday night at 7. And Bruce, Bruce and Lynn. Lynn. Lynn's looking a lot like Bruce, actually. <laughs> Gary, you're not allowed to talk tonight, remember? You made it 30 seconds, Gary. <laughs> that was like your worst yet. Okay, so let's pray, and then we're going to share for probably 20 minutes, and then we'll take questions. And if you don't have any, we'll be done. Sound good? All right. You can, I will stay as long as you have questions that are relevant. <laughs> All right, Jesus, uh, we ask that you would bless this time. God, uh, this is outside of uh, our comfort zone a little bit, but we just ask that you would come and fill this time and that your presence would lead us, lead our conversation, God. And um, we just say this is all about you and expanding your kingdom and reaching more people for you, God. We love you, Lord God, and we're, we're excited about uh, the new things you're doing and the stretching that you're doing in our lives. Um, so just bless this time, God. We just lean, lean on you and look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, first I want to just share a quote that I read in a book um, that was, is about uh, actually a, a father and a son who um, worked in a church together and then um, started two sites. And um, this was at one of the meetings he said, eventually people began to compare and contrast and the we-they talk began and things became competitive. And I just want to say at the outset, this is kind of the first official time of us sharing things that may be somewhat divergent or, or like I, I like to use the terminology two different bait. Like we're, we're, we're all fishing, but we might be using slightly different bait. And it's not that either bait thinks the other bait is better, right? And we're all in it for the, the same thing. And so just at the outset, I, I reading through this book again this week, I felt like the Lord brought me back to that, that uh, quote right there. And I just want to just reaffirm that this is not a we and they situation. This is an us situation. And that we're working together um, to advance the kingdom of God. And we can't predict the future. We don't know what it's going to look like in two years, five years, ten years. But we are, we're on the same team and we're for each other. And I just want to make sure that that is out there. And what I'm going to do the rest of the time is share from my heart. And what I've noticed over the past year or two, as we've talked about this in smaller groups, is it, it, it can be a little sticky when I say something that I'm really passionate about that I want to do in this new launch. You might infer that I think that's never happened at the barn, right? And I, it's really important that you hear that is not my heart, and it's not Jonathan's heart. But I have to have the freedom to just share with you what's in my heart. So in nothing that I'm saying am I saying, We've been bad at this or we haven't valued this. Like if I say tonight, I really value teenagers and I want to get them involved and invested and make sure they have a real uh, awesome place in Sunday morning and an awesome place in our ministry. Clearly that's been true. 
right? I mean, it would be weird if the only things that I valued were things that were different than what we've been doing here. I was raised here, right? I mean, this is the blood, you know, the DNA of the barn is in me. So, but I'm going to share what I think the vision is that God's doing. I know you hate when I use the word DNA. Uh, the uh, vision of the barn is in me. So it's important that you, that you hear, are we on the same page? You hear what I'm saying? So as I share stuff, none of it is an indictment on anyone or anything that we've done in the past. Because that's all been, I mean, honestly, I'd be an indictment on myself, right? I've been here for 20 years uh, on staff. So um, just important that you hear that and that we're all honoring of each other and, um, and all on the same team. Okay, so there's a verse that's been like something that I've kind of hidden away in my heart for the past couple years. And it's when Jesus says that we're called to be a city set on a hill. And actually, as, as the, re, the potential reality of us starting a church began to, like, form, it actually looked like it, it was going to be a yes, um, that just kind of, like, rose up in my heart more and more and um, actually changed it as became my password on a computer that I have to log into every day. Um, and so I type it every day, multiple times a day, a city set on a hill. No spaces, no capitals. You can break into lots of stuff now. But I felt like, for me, it was a faith step because I, I have not excelled at getting lots of people into the kingdom of God, all right? Now, I think that we, we've, I've excelled at doing other things, but there's something that's inside of me um, that, that hasn't been realized yet in my life or in my ministry. And so in faith, I've been typing that out multiple times a day, every day, a city set on a hill, a city set on a hill, a city set on a hill, and it is... Something that I am just, it burns inside of who I am and what I would love for uh, the church that we start to be. Um, so Jonathan, I t- tasked Jonathan with, because um, I'm a taskmaster. Um, I tasked him with coming up with a, a name and a logo because honestly, I'm terrible at that kind of stuff. And so, and he's really, really good at that. And we've been through several names, and I'm not saying this is even the name, but we're leaning in that direction. Can I reveal that? All right. Um, Jonathan, Jonathan Vineyard Church is what he came up with. Uh, I think it's great, you know. Um, so we've been around a bunch of different things. And he knows I like this whole city set on a hill thing. But, you know, it's just like that's never going to work with a name. You know, there's no cities around here. Um, there's no hills around here. So uh, and then he found this in, in a different version. Okay. I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light, uh, on a light stand, shine, keep open house. And this just describes really well what I would love to see happen. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God, this generous Father in heaven. And I love this idea of a place that's on a hilltop, that's a place of hope, that's a place of peace, that's a place of healing, and I could just go on and on, right? Light and salvation and truth and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So it's, it's a place that the community both can come to, but that we also go to the community, right? It talks about living in the community and being generous with their lives so that they then are open to God. And so we've been thinking about Hilltop Vineyard Church, and we might hate it, and you might like it. Thank you, Lynn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay. 
just came to me. Yeah. That's the only thing people are going to remember from tonight. They're like, it was so great when they called him Lynn. Uh, um, okay, so that verse is kind of a, I think, becoming like a, a bedrock verse. And, and we haven't written out like an official mission and vision statement yet. I mean, if that stuff's coming, and I think we're, we're, we're getting closer. We're kind of on a journey towards that. But I think that that verse is becoming um, a foundation for, for what we want to do. So I'm going to share a few general vision pieces that we haven't been able to boil it down. So these might be like values. I don't know. Just what we're passionate about. All right, we'll get there with, you know, some of you know the difference between vision and mission. I don't. But all right, the first one. So the church is visible. Um, I was talking to a pastor in Seattle a few months ago, and she said that they've built their church around this question, okay? Would your neighborhood miss you if you were no longer there? And that inspired me. And I thought, man, that is a really radical way to think about church. Would our neighborhood miss us if we weren't there anymore? Jeremiah 29.7, he's talking to uh, the exiles, and he's saying, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And I love that sense of we care for the city or community that we've been put in, that we're a place of hope for that community, and that we're visible, that people know we're here, that we're making our presence known. And that, ooh, sorry, forgot to silence my phone. And, um, and I like that. That's the whole concept of a, of a, you know, you're a city on a hilltop. Or in other translations, it says that you're the light to the world. You don't take the light and hide it under a basket, right? You don't put the light in the house and then hide it. The whole idea of a light is that it's, you put it out in the open, that you make it visible, you make it shine. And so that's something that I've been wanting, wanting to do more of, is get out in the community more, to meet more people, to know more people, to make the, the, whatever we create as accessible as possible. So that's kind of an obvious maybe first thing. But um, I'd love to see a church that unchurched people love to attend. Um, we're reading a book that talks about making, um, what's the word? I just forgot it. Making it, um, it's an R word. Irresistible. It's an I word. Irresistible. Resistible. Resistible. <laughs> that, that, that's a quality with which you measure everything that you do is that it's irresistible. That people come in and it's done in such a way that it's irresistible to people who don't normally go to church. Acts 15, um, the, the, the council of Jerusalem is debating what to do with the Gentiles. And, you know, what should we make them do of the Jewish tradition? And what should we not make them do? And they, and they boil it down, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this one sticks out. It is my judgment, therefore, and this is either John or James talking, that we should not make it difficult. That we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And that, uh, again, read, read this in a book. It's not like I came up with any of this stuff. It's a book. It's called the Bible. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. But um, that, is, that is challenging to me. What... What obstacles do me, being a church person who's gone to church my entire life, what obstacles do I not even see? What obstacles am I part of creating that an unchurched person would have to jump over before they got to the very place that we want them to get, right? And so I think this will be one of the, the deeply held values is 
that we will filter everything through not making it difficult for unchurched people or de-churched people or disillusioned people or whatever you want to call people who aren't currently connected to the body of Christ. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, there's research that shows that people who come to faith, majority of them have had a faith experience before in their life. So they've either been in church and somehow been hurt by church or disillusioned by church or grown out of church and they've moved on. But the majority of people who come to faith in Christ as adults will say, well, I had, even if they had a negative church experience, isn't that interesting? Even if they had a negative church experience, that that's an indicator of people coming to faith in Christ. So I don't know why I told you that. But um, I, I was reading in this book, Deep and Wide, um, and this, this, this church goes, you know, really all out for, for unchurched. That would be their number one goal. And they tell a story of this guy who's, uh, whose wife came to church and got saved, and the kids were coming to church, and so the guy promised, I'll go one time, right? So, and he came, he snuck in the back, he sat in the back, and now you might not agree with all their methods, okay? But they keep space saved in the front for new people, and they don't let their members sit in the front. And they train their people to look for these people, so they found this guy, and they said, hey, would you like to come sit up front? We saved you a seat. And they took them up front. Now, I know, like, some of you are like, I would hate if they did that to me. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> so they took him up front. They sat him up front. And, you know, the rest of the story is he finds the Lord and he gets saved. And, you know, now he's serving in the church. And when, when they talked about it, he said, it was as if they were planning for me to come. As if they were expecting me. And the pastor's name's Andy Stanley. And he said, we were expecting him. That's the whole point. We built everything around that guy, expecting that guy to come. But see, they didn't know that it, he was coming that Sunday. So they built everything around expecting that guy to come every Sunday. From the people in the parking lot to the people in the greeters to how they did their signs to everything. To the songs they sang and how they taught and what their topics were. And so, you know, there's like a dirty word in charismatic churches. It's called seeker sensitive. And I'm aware of that. I know that, like, some of you have maybe been to seeker-sensitive churches, and it can be synonymous with Christianity light or no Holy Spirit. So it's important that you listen the whole time, because we're going to get to a fourth point where we'll talk about that a little bit, okay? But I really believe that God has called me to find a way to reach unchurched people. And it's been something that's been growing in me. I've been sharing it with Bruce, been sharing it with Jonathan and Lynn for years and, and I don't know how to do it, and it's going to be part of the adventure and part of the journey going out there and figuring it out. We're probably going to fail a bunch of times before we figure it out, but maybe not. Okay, that was really negative. But maybe not. Okay, you can pop up at any time. All right, 1 Corinthians 19. So, I was supposed to say that two, two verses that I've always, um, sh like, have kind of done that to me as a Christian. You know, one was the city set on a hill. Here's another one. I've taught on this so many times. I can remember being a teenager and, and teaching this, and just over the years, it has always been one of those verses. And it's Paul. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew. To win the Jews. So those under the law became like one under the law, so as to win those under the law. And he goes on. I have become all things to all people. And there's just a desperation and a, and a commitment and a level of sacrifice that I hear in his voice that challenges me. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. 
And he's even recognizing that he's not going to get everybody, right? But he's, he's become all things to all people. So does that mean sometimes he has to do things differently than he really prefers to do them? Probably. And I think this is part of the journey that I'm excited to go on with anybody that wants to go with us is there might be times when we do things that are not our preferred way to do them. We might do the teaching in a way that isn't your favorite way for teaching to be done. Or we might have too many greeters. Or we might have our greeters wear t-shirts that say, you know, instead of walking around with no shirts on. Um, And I know you love that. You love when you get to see skin at church. And so I know. You know, we might do certain worship songs and not do other worship songs that you might prefer, right? There might be sacrifices that Christians make so that unchurched people find Jesus, is what I'm saying. I don't know exactly what all those will be, but we're weighing it and we're, we're, um, we're seeking God and we're researching it. I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. Okay. I want to be part of a church that's on mission towards the community, connecting people with purpose. So here's the thing I think, that a lot of Christians that aren't going to church right now, but believe in God, believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in the church. Because when they see the church, and this is probably, for most part, incorrect, okay, I'm not saying they're right, but they don't see the church doing anything valuable in the community. And I would love, as people, unchurched people get brought and get invited in, that we plug them into purpose. And I think part of that is, is the passion for ministering to the poor and to the disadvantaged in our community. I'm excited. Again, I think it's funny of God that he's put these two major things on my heart because they're two things that I don't consider myself to be good at or have any experience in. So that's either me being stupid or God being God like he normally is, right? He's stretching me, right? He's putting, and, and, and I invite you to go with us if you feel this call. Um, a verse that God's been speaking to me over the year is, you know, when Jesus, there's a whole teaching I could give on this, but when Jesus says, you know, at the end of time, he's going to separate the sheep and the goats, and, you know, right? And I gave you something to eat, and I get, you know, where we're, well, anytime you did this to the least of these. And that's always, that's always just like hit me as this scares me, because I don't know if I'm doing this enough. I don't know if I'm feeding the hungry enough. I don't know if I'm, you know, visiting those who are in need enough. And so I'd love to be part of a community that does that. And that's not all going to be about me. I'd love to be part of releasing. People that are going to go with us are far more gifted at this than I am. Um, I'm going to read you a quote from another book that's really been challenging me. It's called Barefoot Christianity. Jesus was God incarnate. He literally put on skin and dwelt amongst us. He moved into our neighborhood and spoke our language. So when we say we are here to live incarnationally, we mean we are to put on Jesus and represent him by focusing on being his hands and feet to the world, to live on mission. This includes, but is not limited to serving the least. It might be ascending towards your neighbor to complete stranger. Either way, the focus is essentially on the church becoming missionaries to our culture. And we did a little bit of a series about that at Sunday night a couple months back. But that sense of we're all missionaries to the culture that we're in, whether it's your work or your school or your community that you live in, that you're a missionary, just like if you move to wherever, You've moved there. You're there. We're in the place that God's called us to be missionaries to. You don't have to leave to be a missionary. You are a missionary right now. And a part of our culture would be from day one establishing that we are a sent church and not a sitting church. (laughs) You're not here to come to church. 
that we're going to go to church, that we're going to be sent into the community. And so it's going to be, you know, I don't know how to do this really well either, but it'll be more than Sunday morning. It's going to be about what's happening during the week. We're serving shoulder to shoulder with non-Christians. We're working with nonprofits. We're, you know, investing in things that are already good in the community. And we've been learning a lot about that at the barn over the last couple of years too. And that's just something that we're going to be able to partner in and just see more and more and more of. Um, there's this idea of that we, we've talked about here on Sunday night a little bit about the kirka versus the ecclesia. And um, this is in another, another book that we've been reading. But um, so there's two, lots of books. Actually, it's just the same book. I keep referencing it. But um, so uh, the ecclesia was the word that was originally used to refer to the people of Jesus, the followers of Jesus. And it was a people on the move, a people doing Right? And then as the Bible got translated into German, the word became Kirka, which is where we get church, which is a place and not a movement. And I'm not saying, okay, I got to get to see now. I, I told myself I wasn't going to talk anymore about the barn because then I could say it every time. I'm clearly not saying that about the barn or anything else that I say. I already said that disclaimer, right? Okay. I want to be part of a church that's a movement that is not that is not about what we do for ourselves together, get together at this certain time. That we're the ecclesia, that we're the followers of Jesus who are, what is the Father doing? What is the Father doing today? What is he doing in our community? How can we listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit? How can we lead interruptible lives? And if every single person is sent, and everybody is interruptible, then every one of us will be on mission to our community, and we'll be the hands and feet. So, just a quick story. Yesterday, Mandy and I were sitting at the breakfast. We don't have a breakfast table. We're sitting at the table eating breakfast. And we were planning out our Saturday. There was no soccer games planned and no birthday parties. And it was like found money, right? It's like, oh my gosh, we have a whole day. We could. And so I had like four things that I wanted to do. And she had like 700 things that she wanted to do. Um, and they were not at all jiving. Uh, no. So we were like doing the negotiation of, okay, we can do this. And then if we're quick, we can do this, 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 this. And then I just checked my email and there was an email from the soccer club that we are a part of that said, um, this, this, uh, this person that we've ministered to in the past, um, we don't exactly know what's going on, but his wife and kids were being evicted that day. And they had a whole house to move everything out of in one day. And then and put into the trucks, and they're headed off to live with their parents in New Hampshire. And so, um, can anybody help? And, yeah, yes, Elliot and myself. And, and Mandy said, and, and Mandy had this really big project she needed to finish. She has this big piece of furniture that needed to be in the store by, by 1130. And there was all these, like, steps to get that done. And she was basically like, well, if it doesn't get there, it doesn't get there. And if we don't get this other thing done, we don't get, this is the only thing that matters now. And it just was like, and I told her, I was like, this is why I married you. I mean, seriously. Um, but that's, that's an interruptible life. And Elliot and I spent three and a half hours moving these people. And we don't know what's going to come of that. Actually, they're moving to Keene, New Hampshire. And I just happened to know a good friend of mine who planted a church in Keene three years ago. And I'm he hasn't texted me back. The cool part of the story would be, and he texted me back and met her there. That's my plan. But he hasn't texted me back yet. But, you know, he's a pastor. They're busy sometimes. Oh, uh, yeah. I texted him yesterday. I don't know what his problem is. So, 
But that's just a small example that we are all on mission, that we're all in our communities, and not everything that we do is going to equal people coming to our church. Like, that family is moving to New Hampshire. Pretty sure they're not coming to church. But we extended the kingdom of God to them, you know? So it's not always about let's get people in. It's about being the hands and feet of Jesus every day, Monday through Saturday, not just Sunday. And how can we live in, in, in lives like that? Um, if our lives do not reflect radical compassion for the poor, there is reason to wonder if Christ is in us at all. That's from David Platt, um, who wrote the book Radical, right? If our lives do not reflect radical compassion for the poor, there is reason to wonder if Christ is in us at all. Jonathan and I have had a chance to meet with some people. Um, there's a guy in, in Paradise, Pennsylvania, who's running this thing called the One Initiative, the Together Initiative, right? And this guy, I mean, it's just phenomenal to talk to him. He... Uh, a couple years ago, um, became the pastor of a, uh, like a Mennonite brethren church or something. And he said, we're going to shift our focus from ourselves to our community. And so he met with the school district leader. Is that called a superintendent? Okay. Met with that person and said, hey, we want to be a blessing to you. What if we could give you $25,000 and, you know, X amount of 100 man hours? And he didn't have the money, and he hadn't talked to his congregation yet. But he just said... What, what dreams that you can't get done now would you be able to get done? And the guy said, well, you know, um, and he listed out a couple things. And then he went and messed with, met, messed with. And then he went and messed with the township guys. He met with the township guys, and he asked them the same thing. And, and that's the one that I remember, so I'll tell you that story. Um, and they said, well, you know, we've got this, there was like this park with this building for kids to play at, and the building was really dilapidated. And he said, you know what? I'll give, you, I'll give you all the labor to paint this whole building, and, um, or to roof it, to roof this whole building. And they got all the supplies donated, and the church went out and re-roofed this whole public park building. And there's people in this church who are like, what are we doing? Like this, we're not preaching the gospel right now. What, what, how was, connect the dots for us, Pastor. Right? But then they had a big party to celebrate the roof being done where the whole community came out and an Amish guy was there and he was like, the paint job looks bad with that new roof. So he painted the whole thing for free. And then they met with more township officials and they got a grant because of the work they did for $300,000 over the next two years to do more improvements in the community. And it's the church doing this work. And then he talked to the school district and they started, well, you know what we don't have? We don't have people working in... Um, in um, summer school, we're going to have to cancel summer school. And the guy said, you know what? Yeah, we can, we can staff that for you with volunteers. So they started running summer school. Guess what class they're allowed to teach? Religion 101. They can say anything they want to say. Literally, the guy said, you can say anything you want to say. He said, wait, you're telling me we can say anything we want to say? See, listen, you say whatever you want to say. The buses aren't coming until 12 o'clock. Right? You're, the kids are yours till then. That's amazing in, the, in a public school. And, and that's just like story after story. Um, Dick and Maida Ray were here recently. There's things happening in public schools that we can do, that we can get into. Okay. The 440 window, if you haven't heard me talk about that before, um, it's a great concept that just, uh, there's a book written by the same guy who did the 1040 window. Guy loves windows. And, uh, <laughs> It, the 1040 window was a missions thing about the lo- latitude and longitude. 440 window is, it's not the 440 window. That's a huge window. The 414 window. Sorry. 
Um, glad I caught that. <laughs> Between the ages of 4 and 40. Uh, yes. Basically, yeah. So 4 to 14 is like the opportunity where some crazy percentage of people find Jesus for the first time and it lasts. And so I want to be uh, on mission to those people. Elementary schools, high schools, involving youth from the top to bottom. That's one reason why I was hoping that teenagers would be at this meeting. I see some of you are here. That's really good. Okay. I'm almost done. I told you that'd be, this is a lot longer than I thought it would be. Okay. Um, Church that connects people to God's presence. I put this last because I kind of feel like obvious, right? Like, duh. But let me just say it in case you're wondering. Um, We need to provide, in my opinion, something substantive as people come As an unchurched person, we've removed all the obstacles. We remove all the obstacles except for the gospel. If people are going to stumble over the gospel, that's biblical, right? But let's remove all the other man-made obstacles. But when they come in, or we've gone to them, and then they've come to us, we have to offer something of substance. And so what drives us is we're called to make disciples of all nations, right? Go forth and make disciples of all nations. And so... We're not going to make these super shallow disciples that are coming in and and getting an easy pass for church, right? We have to call people to a depth of Christianity. We have to call people to transformation. We have to call people to the Holy Spirit changing us and putting us on mission. And we're committed to that. I mean, I don't know if you've ever looked up the five core values of the vineyard nationally, but they're exciting, right? Partner with the Holy Spirit. Can you get behind that? Experience and worship God. Reconcile people with God and all of creation. Engage in compassionate ministry. Pursue culturally relevant mission in the world. Those are exciting, and we can get behind that. And I think the other thing I would say is there's stuff about the barn that you know because you've been in the barn that's going to continue, right? There's stuff about the barn. We're going to have presence-based worship. We're going to have the gifts of the Spirit. We need to pursue that stuff. We have multi-generational you know, team working. Because if you don't have that stuff, right, then I believe you're, you're calling people to a type of Christianity that isn't what we practice and isn't what we offer. We believe there's depth and substance in, in a changed life when you encounter the presence of God. You know, like people have said for years on end, when they walk on this land, they just feel something different. And that is our heart, that when people walk into whatever building it is we end up renting, that they would feel the presence of God. You know, um, I'm listening to some church planning materials, and step one for these guys that I was listening to are, is spiritual warfare. And that's why we're praying and fasting for 40 days right now, leading into this whole season. It's because the enemy is going to hate what we're about to do. He's already hating it. Because we're targeting people who don't know Jesus yet. We're targeting the poor. We're coming into community, and we're going to bring the presence of God with us. And if we go without the presence of God, without prayer, without prophecy, without intercession, then we're stupid. Right? So we really need that. And I just want you to know we're committed to that. So, um, okay. Does anybody have any questions? Yeah. I mean, I have one more little thing I'm going to say about, like, what we're looking for in a launch team. Did you, did you want to look through it and see if there's stuff on this? Yeah, um, yes or no? Okay. I just want to say something really quickly. Uh, Rob sent us an article um, a month and a half ago or a month ago. It was talking about how 50%, 56% of millennials raised in the church are choosing not to go to church. And, like, 
I think I knew that somewhere, but like just seeing the like absolute reality of it made me realize, man, there's there's some things that the church has to adjust to or else we're going to lose a whole generation. A whole generation that's postmodern that doesn't I mean, th- those but those kids were raised in the church, right? Think about the kids who don't even know anything about Jesus at all, and there's a ton of them out there. Um, and so for me, I want to see the millennials be connected to Jesus and figure out a way to do that. And that's something that I think is a challenge because we have certain things, expectations, traditions that we're attached to that we might have to lay down in order to reach people, right? Especially the millennials. Um, and, and, and so, like, I know there are some things that he put in there. Can I see this? Uh, did you move him around? Um, he moved him around. My part, I put in there. He moved it around, then forgot to say them. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. How's it working? Okay. This is the best part of the meeting right here. Fantastic. One thing is th- that, is this a question right here? Is that you? Those are all you, and <laughs> okay. then this one, look, this one, this one and these two, those are all you. Okay, all right, good, good. Uh, all right, a just a problem. few of the things. So one of the things is, is that millennials are looking to actually make a difference in their lives, and um, they're finding that the things that the older generations, like us and above, that we found meaningful, significant, like church-related activities, like a bunch of Bible study, a bunch of training, all that kind of stuff, doesn't sit well with them if there's not overflow and active t- activity that leads into mission and to purpose. And so, you know, how do you release people outside of what you've always done, right? And so we're, we're, we're asking questions that are big questions that we don't really know the answers to. Um, you know, are we organized around a mission or are we organized around meetings? You know, I grew up, I love meetings. You know, I love church meetings. I love the presence of God. Those things are awesome, right? And so, th- but... You know, is that, I, I don't know, these are just questions that we're, we're asking. And, and I think as we seek God and he sends us to a certain group of people that we'll see what we need to be, like Christian said about, about Paul. Um, I can't, re- there's, so this is it, that, that's it, okay. Um, oh, so they said, how do we spend less hours on church-type activities and more hours spent on serving the least of these? And they said, kind of take like a, a, a a survey of your life and how much are you spent serving the least of these versus how much are you spent doing church-related activities. And the challenge is it's probably really off balance. And, and how do we get caught into that place? And so, I mean, I think it's a challenge for us. I think we're isolated. I mean, I was raised homeschooled, then I went to Christian school, and then I worked in the church. Yeah, I'm as, I'm as in the bubble as possible, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, we were known, and this is the one thing. I think this, this is part of the different visions of the two churches. This place has always been a resource place, a well for people to come and drink, almost like a resort, like a, like a retreat center, right? We were known growing up as the crazies out in the woods, right? And back then, my parents had birds flying around the living room. They're like, they have birds flying around the living room. They have horses in their church. You know, like, they were crazy, and... And I think that's part of the call on mom and pop 
is that they're meant to actually do that. People come for healing. People come to be released. People come to be equipped, to be activated. Those things are incredible, and those things will continue. And there's been so much fruit for years for the barn. You know, if you look at all the training, all the conferences, the Project Timothys, even back in the day, they resourced Christian and I doing East Coast of Flame and the trainings that we did. And, you know, like that all goes back to the heart of mom and pop, which was to raise up people who would be radical for Jesus and grow and continue to be challenged. And the one thing I love about my dad is that he never settles. He is continually challenging himself and growing, you know, and that's, that's an incredible thing for, a, you know, an 85-year-old. So, and I think the great thing about Christian's passion and vision is that, you know, if we're here, it's hard to be there as well. You know, and so by saying we're going to go and we're going to rent a temporary space that's going to be like out there in the community, maybe a, my passion is a school. I'd love to see us in a school because everybody knows where a school is. You know, somewhere that is really obvious that it isn't like you have to go through cornfields to get to. You know, I think there's going to be some advantages to that, that we can actually draw in a different kind of p- person who needs Jesus just as much. And so that's, that's my passion. I think that's our passion. I think that's all I wanted to say. That's all I got to say about that. Um, okay. Did you want to say either of those? No. Okay. <laughs> I forgot I was wearing this one. <laughs> Thanks, Elliot. All right, is, do you guys have any questions? <laughs>